0: looking at our world from a theological perspective. This is the Theology Central podcast, making theology central. Good afternoon everyone. It is Saturday, December the 31st, 2022. It is currently 1:41 p.m. Central Time and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where it is currently 72 degrees outside. 70 71 72 depending on what I'm looking at. I think it's about 72 degrees outside and well fa- I think maybe uh Tuesday, Wednesday of this coming week it's going to be close to 80 degrees. That's the way it is meant to be. It is meant to be 80 degrees in January. There should never be cold and there should never be white stuff falling from the sky. So I'm I'm very happy and pleased that we have nice weather here in West Texas. I am sorry that you are so unfortunate to live in those horrific parts of the country that believe in something called winter that that you should move. You should move to Texas. Now, yes, sometimes it does get cold here, and then everything falls apart. But currently we have nice weather here in West Texas, but you're not here. You're not here to listen to me give you the weather forecast, are you? No you're not. I know what we're here for. We're here for the last Bible study exercise broadcast of 2022. Not forever, obviously, but of 2022. We have spent a year studying the Bible week after week after week, The Bible study exercise is designed to get you actually engaged in Bible study, not just listening to someone say, this is what it means, but getting you, giving you assignments and curriculum and homework and getting you involved. And I don't know how much you participated in 2022. If you didn't participate at all, that's, that's wonderful. That's great. If you listened, obviously I'm thankful that you listened. Hopefully maybe in 2023, you'll go out today and you'll get you a notebook You'll get uh, a pencil, You'll hopefully maybe a new Bible, some reference tools, the Bible dictionary, whatever the case may be. And of course, if you ever need any reference tools, let us know. We always try to uh, get people what they need if we can afford to do so. So always let us know. Uh, but um, hopefully you'll have everything ready to go and you can, well, engage in uh, the first Bible study exercise of a new year, and we will probably introduce that probably tomorrow afternoon, possibly if not Monday morning, Monday afternoon is when we'll introduce the next week's Bible study. Now, this the current study we're involved in is a study on the subject, the topic, the theme of fear. We've looked at the right kind of fear, the wrong kind of fear, uh, the importance of fearing God because it's the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, we looked at some very specific text of scripture psalm 33 Romans chapter 8 1 John chapter 3 and 1 John chapter 4 Matthew chapter 1 and 2 Luke chapter 1 and 2 and Matthew chapter 14 we have looked at some very specific passages of scripture and i, I personally personally i feel that we've done a decent job um I guess I should say I feel that I've done a decent job on some of those studies and hopefully you have benefited greatly from it. You're supposed to be working on your thematic method of Bible study where you come up with six questions and then go to the Bible to find the answers to those questions. I think many, I think some of you have made uh you've advanced pretty far in that study. Um people some people kind of modified the way to do the study but if it works for them that's great. Hopefully you've done that. Remember You have the curriculum. Hopefully, you've been reading the curriculum. But most importantly, hopefully, your understanding of fear now is more biblical than it was before you started this seven-week study on the topic of fear. And, uh, well, this will continue right into the new year because starting next week, we will have at least another week of study on fear, and we're going to be in the Old Testament and uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I I can't wait to introduce that. We're, we may modify a little bit how we do that next week. It will be about fear, but we may throw in kind of a, a book survey, maybe. Maybe kind of a book background, a little bit of book survey, book background, because we're going to be looking at a book that there's probably a high probability you have not read, even considered in a very long time, and probably probably a very good chance if I was to ask you, give me the basic facts of this book, you wouldn't have a clue. So I, I am going to, we'll, we'll modify it a little bit next week, but I think it will be a bit beneficial. But in the meantime, we got to work on Matthew chapter 14. We have got to work on Matthew chapter 14. And one of the reasons I absolutely love, Doing the Bible study exercise the way I have designed, uh, the way I do these podcast episodes, and the way I purposely design them. One of the reasons I love doing them this way is because I'm trying to get you involved. And when you get involved, it makes things so much better. And a lot of people have had some very different perspectives on Matthew 14. They have seen things in a way that I. I, I I haven't seen I don't know if I am i I don't know if I need to change the way I view it or maybe maybe th- this is one of those texts where we could view it in many different ways and somehow all all we could all still be right I, that always makes me a little nervous because that sounds very subjective right I tend to I try to look at the text and real and i I believe that typically. There's just some objective things about it. This is what it means. And if it means this, it can't mean that. But I am aware that sometimes the text, that there's a lot of questions about it. So maybe we cannot be so objective. I don't like to be subjective, but maybe maybe the text is open to many different perspectives. I don't want to say different interpretations because that makes me nervous as well. But different perspectives are different way of reading it. And if we have different ways of reading it, then you realize the difficulties in interpreting it if if we can't necessarily agree on exactly what is happening in the text as we read it, then interpreting it becomes impossible right you you can't be you can't come to a dogmatic interpretation if everyone has trouble in agreeing how to read a text and I, I think that that's a very important to remember so whenever you have a text and you're like, man, everyone reads this so differently and sees it so differently that's always at least a warning to me that we got to be very careful about how dogmatic we are because there's a good chance that maybe, that maybe this is a text that is just almost, and I hate to say this, but some texts seem sometimes it's almost impossible to be dogmatic because nobody in 2,000 years of church history seems to even agree on how to read it. So, We're going to do a little bit of Matthew 14. I may try to mention some of these other things that has been sent to me via email. A lot of you have been participating in the Matthew 14 study, and I really do appreciate it. But hopefully we can bring, we're going to go as long as we need to go to try to come to some kind of definitive conclusion in regards to Matthew 14. Does that sound good? I hope so. Are you ready? Here we go. So if you have a Bible, Matthew 14, if you have something to write with, great. A notebook, always wonderful. Wonderful have something to drink. Let's sit back. It's the last day of 2022. So let's go out. Let's end this year with really working on this text and seeing what we can learn in regards to fear. Now remember in this in this study on fear, we took that weird sidetrack doing that sermon review. We, we're just going to ignore that that even happened. Yeah, you can go back and listen to all of that. But in the meantime, Matthew chapter 14, the text in question is verse 22 to 30. Uh, well, 30, 22 to 33 specifically is what the curriculum gives us. So we'll go Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Are you ready? Here we go. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit, or some translations, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Now, there is the first time fear is mentioned, and we are really trying to look at this text now. We we did kind of a reset because we were looking at the text and and everything kind of got out of whack and we kind of got off track by doing that sermon review. So for our reset, I'm like, let's just look at this text as it relates to fear. So there is the first recorded fear that happens and it's the disciples. Now, here's the question. Some people emailed me and more than one, multiple emails where they said, "No, no, I think they thought the fear was twofold, that they were fear fearful of the storm and then they were fearful of this thing walking on the water that they thought was a ghost, that there were two elements to their fear. And I can understand, I can understand that, that thinking, but personally, and this is, and, and you can disagree with me and that's, per, per, that's perfectly okay. The text to me seems to stress specifically that the fear is related to the thing they see. They see this thing and they're like, what is this? And I'm saying thing because in their mind, they don't know what it is. So they think it's a thing. We ultimately know who it is. It's Jesus. But they just perceive this thing and they don't know what it is. And so they sit, they don't perceive Jesus in the storm. They don't see Jesus at all. They they, they are fear filled with not only a misunderstanding because they don't perceive, but they're filled with superstition. And I, I, most all the emails seem to agree that there was great Jewish superstition about this time of night, morning, that some focus around midnight to around 3 a.m. And then others from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., I think is the fourth watch. But there seemed to be a lot of Jewish superstition about ghosts and, and this time of night. Most of you seem to find some kind of article that would support that idea. So I, I feel that the fear here is directed more at, they don't know what, they, they don't perceive Jesus, and I think there's some level of superstition going on here. I mean, they say it's a ghost. I mean, to me, the text proves their superstition. I don't even need the articles. They think it's a ghost. That, that's obviously pure superstition because biblically when a person a ghost if we look up the definition of a ghost just to show you what i mean here if we look up the definition of a ghost okay i'm i'm looking it up i'm just i'm doing this in real time remember i like to do it this way if we look up the definition of a ghost we get an apparition of a dead person which is believed to appear or become manifest to the living, typically as a nebulous image. All right? Um, If we look up uh, other ones, a disembodied soul. That's that's what I was looking for. A disembodied soul. That's Merriam-Webster. A ghost is a disembodied soul. Clearly, biblically, we don't believe in that because when a person dies, they go to either heaven or hell. Their soul is not roaming about a lake, or a sea, or an ocean, or any body of water. It's not roaming about a house. It's not roaming about a hospital. So, I think that the text screams that this, their fear is based off some superstition. It's one thing to go, hey, guys, guys, what is that? What is that? I don't know what that is. But when you say, it's a ghost, <laughs> that that's like, hey, we're superstitious, <laughs> okay? that That's like them just raising their hands going, look up superstition, we're right, right here. We're, we're we're we are adherents to it, so that I believe their fear is based off superstition, and they don't perceive that it's Jesus. All right, I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying they aren't concerned about the storm. I'm not saying that they're not concerned in any way, shape, or form about it. We also know that many of these are fishermen, so they would probably be used to dealing with the storms. So I don't know. I just feel that this first account of fear in Matthew fourteen, and twenty two to thirty three, is not so much about the storm. It's about a superstition. They think it's a ghost, and they don't perceive that it's Jesus. That that's what I'm going to go with. That that's just that's just my feelings. That's just my feelings. All right. So they cry out in fear. Straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And the answer to this fear is, guys, it is me. It is, it's not a ghost. It is me. So I've, and, I, and I tried to apply this, and I think it's fair that in life, we can face all kinds of circumstances. And when we don't see, in a sense, perceive Jesus' presence, we don't see him in it. Now, if you remember in the, in the text itself, Jesus is the one who constrains them and sends them there. He's the one who sends them into it. Clearly, he knows it's going to happen, right? So I believe that this is the way it must work. In life, we're going to face circumstances, That's going to create situations where we can be fearful. And what can lead to that fear? Well, obviously, if we hold to some superstition, right? Some some weird superstition can lead to fear. But here's a thing that I think for a Christian we need to remember. If we don't perceive Jesus in it, then we can be overcome with fear and anxiety. Now, this doesn't solve every problem. Because if I, because, look, I believe in the sovereignty of God, and I think all Christians should believe in sovereignty of God. It's taught in the scriptures. He is God. He is sovereign. And he works all things according to his good pleasure and will. God is involved in every situation. Now, that doesn't always make me feel better in some ways, because I'm like, well, this is a horrible situation. I'm going through this or this happened to me. Where was God? But somehow God was in it, and he put me in it. I don't know why he did. But he's there, so I, I guess in some ways, I, in some ways, it's not so comforting. But in another way, it's like okay, things are happening according to a sovereign plan. I don't understand the plan. The plan is painful. The plan is confused. The plan. The the plan is confusing. The the plan. The plan is painful, but God is sovereign in it. And and I'm not saying it, I I will point you to the book of Job, that Job never, he didn't understand what was going on, but he didn't see all of the tragedy is happening apart from God, but that God somehow was involved in it. And that if we're going to accept good, we have to accept bad. He perceived God in it in some way, shape, or form. He didn't know why God wasn't showing up to help him. He didn't know why God wasn't answering but he understood that God was involved in some way, shape, or form. But that I think that's the key here. So their first fear is based off superstition, and they don't see Jesus. They They misunderstand Jesus, and I think the application is we cannot allow superstition and wrong way of thinking to lead us to have fear, and we have to see Jesus in it. I know That's a long review, but I I just, I'm really stressing that. I know others think, no, I think this is about, they they combine the two accounts of fear together and I want to separate them, All right? So there's the first one. Now we could, we could add more to that. So I didn't review everything, but there you go. And again, I just love it. It is I, the answer to this fear, this superstitious fear and this not perceiving Jesus is guys, it's me, it's me. It's me. Your superstition is wrong, and you need to see that it's me, All right? And Peter, then verse 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou. Now, this is where we're going to get to the second account of fear. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now, that is one of the most perplexing and confusing statements that I think you can read in the Bible. You have to be looking at, like if I'm in the boat and I'm like, okay, Jesus just said it's him. Okay. All right. I feel, maybe I feel a little bit better. I don't really know what's going on. And then you look over and there's Peter going, hey, hey, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And I would be like, I would be like, Peter, stop talking. I would be the one going, Peter, shh. Jesus, if it's you, come here. (laughs) Okay, come here. Peter's like, "No, if it's you, tell me to come to you." No, 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 Peter. See, he's out there. We're in a boat. There's water. There's a storm. Peter's like, "Hey, if it's you, I don't understand why G- why Peter would say that. I have no idea. It it's like it's one of those things you read and you're like, "What is Peter thinking?" I'd be ready to throw Peter on off out out of the boat. I'd be like, and no, I would just like, "Peter, get out of the boat." I Jesus, forget Peter. We need you to come here, <laughs> okay? That's what we need. But Peter's like, hey, 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 let me come to you. But if you think about it, and I think you see this, and I think it's kind of interesting. If you, if you look at the life of Peter, he's always trying to do something, right? He's the one who's got the answer. No, Lord, you're not. No, 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 you're not going to die. He's always speaking. He's always trying to do he's the one who chops off someone's ear when everyone else runs. He's like, I'm going to follow Jesus and see what's going on. And he ends up denying he he's always attempting to do something, but it seems every time he tries, he falls short and he fails. I think that's just an interesting dynamic about the life of Peter. He tries to speak, says the wrong thing. He tries to do, he, do the, he does the wrong thing. When he tries to tell you what he's going to do in the future, he doesn't do what he says he's going to do. Peter constantly fails. He puts forth effort. He tries to say the right words. He may desire to do the right thing. He may even attempt to do the right thing. But in all of his words, thoughts, and attempts, it equals failure over and over and over and over and over again. So I guess maybe this is very much like Peter. Hey, hey, I, I, Jesus, you just stay right there. I'll come to you. Almost like I don't need you. I, I, I'm going to come to you to prove if it's really you. It, it's it's really weird. And in verse 29, Jesus says unto him, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, the story is so odd, right? It's so like, what is happening? Peter, what are you doing? Now, it's amazing that he's walking on water. It is amazing that he is, right? I mean, it's a miracle. Now, I don't think this has, some people say this miracle is occurring because of Peter's great faith. I don't know. Uh, Is it because of his great faith or is it because of Jesus, right? Jesus is there. Is Jesus the one is this more about Jesus than it is Peter? A lot of people turn this into a sermon about Peter's great faith. Hey, don't criticize Peter. When was the last time you walked on water? I've heard that sermon preached so many times. Don't you dare criticize Peter. He walked on water. I haven't seen any of you doing so. I don't know if if that's the point of this text. Is this about the greatness of Peter's faith or is this about the greatness of Jesus? I I, I don't know. Now, we're going to read a text that some would say that it is about Peter's faith, but we'll see. So he walks on the water now verse 30 but when he saw the wind boisterous he was afraid now stop right here this this is my way of thinking i know i know many of the emailers disagree with me but here's my way of thinking to me verse 30 clearly demonstrates and clearly proves to me at least in my mind that he had not been afraid of the winds and to and the storms prior to he doesn't become afraid of this until now he's out of the boat because he's a fisherman he's been in boats in storms before i think that that's a reasonable assumption i think that that's fair so i i think that he doesn't become a, I think i think their fear was it's a ghost so it's a separate fear and now here's a new fear and this just seems of peter alone and now he's like What's happening? He's walking on water. Now he sees the wind. Now he he sees all of this and now it 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 has a whole different impact on him, right? Inside the boat, he's somewhat used to that. He's a fisherman. He he can deal with it. But now he's not in the safety of the boat. He's out of the boat and he's like, "What is what am I doing? What 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 Wait, how did I get out here? Why am I out here? Whose idea was it to get out here? Like, it's like, I I, I thought this was a good idea. And he begins to sink. And he cries saying, Lord, save me. Now, please note, he was afraid. I think this is a different fear. I think we have two accounts of fear. One, the disciples, and their fear is, and I'm going to label it this way, they don't perceive Jesus in it, and they completely have superstition, a wrong way of thinking, a fraudulent way of thinking, a fraudulent way of thinking, and not perceiving Jesus in it creates fear in your life and in their lives. When I'm thinking in an incorrect way, I can be overcome with fear and anxiety because I'm not thinking from a biblical perspective. And when I don't see God's sovereignty in it, that he's in it in some way, shape, or form, then I can just be filled with fear and anxiety because I'm thinking, Well, things are just going wrong. Things are just happening. If God is in it, I may, I think I don't, I'm no longer maybe filled with fear, but I may be filled with bitterness or anger that God has put me in the situation. That's a whole different subject. So I think that's fear. Number one is the disciples not perceiving Jesus and overcome with superstition. And number two, the fear now is of Peter who's outside of the boat because he decided to, please note, Jesus didn't say, Peter, get out of the boat. No, P- Peter is the one, Let tell me to come to you. And then Jesus, in a sense, goes along with Peter's request. This, Peter put himself in this situation. Jesus didn't put him in, himself in this situation. Peter did. From a human perspective, ultimately, all this works out according to God's sovereign plan. But you see what I'm saying is Peter is the one who decided, I have got to go do this. Once again, it seems like Peter trying to do something prove something then he begins to sink and immediately jesus stretched forth his hand caught him and said unto him o thou of little faith wherefore didst thou doubt now Oh, this verse raises so many questions. Clearly, the first the, the first fear we've already dealt with. The second fear is Peter becomes afraid. Uh, how do we want to word this? Of his immediate circumstances. Like immediately Peter realizes, what am I doing? I'm no longer in the boat. And look at this. There's storms and there's a storm, there's wind, there's waves. And I'm literally standing on the water. Like, how did I get myself here? He becomes immediately overwhelmed and immediately re- He immediately reacts to his circumstances, and he begins to sink. And Jesus seems to state that the reason is because he has he, he refers to him as, "O thee of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt?" So the Peter is overwhelmed by his immediate circumstances. I think that's fair to say. He I mean he immediately sees the circumstances and he begins to doubt. So you you could make an argument that what Peter see this I have a hard time with how to how to how to take this apart and that we can be fair to the text because I think this leads to lots of uh Ah, this is why the preaching on this text can get so odd. And when you listen to sermons on this, it could be argued, and we have to be fair here, that what was keeping Peter afloat, what was keeping Peter on the water, was his faith. I guess you could you could try to make that argument. And as soon as he doubts, he sinks. So then. Then you could make you you could then try to logically infer from that that in your life one of the causes of fear is because you lack faith you have doubt as a result you have fear and to overcome that fear you must have you must have the right kind of faith I I there's a part of me that wants to go with that because that seems so obvious. But that places what Peter is doing on the basis of his own faith. Like it, it makes it the it makes it about the strength of his own faith. And I know the text seems to infer that. I I, I think you could say it's even explicit. Why did Peter sink? O thou of little faith wherefore didst thou doubt? It seems to put it right on Peter. But if our, I mean, how do we, how do we process this? Because then it would make it, okay, this is the, this is the way it would kind of lead to, hey, hey, Look, the reason, and because obviously, I don't think I don't think anyone here believes. I don't think anyone believes that it's possible that I could just have the right kind of faith and I could go walk across the ocean, or walk across a lake, or walk across any body of water. It's not happening. So clearly, um, we know that this is not prescribing. Like, if I have the right kind of faith, I could walk across the water. Clearly, it's not prescribing that. I think we can all agree, right? So, it's describing an event, but what do we take from it? Well, I think what we typically take from it is we may not be able to walk across a body of water, but if we have the right kind of faith, we, in a sense, can walk across the storms of life, and we can, can not be brought down by them by faith. And, and I, and I, and I see that it just seems to me that this would tell me, I don't know if this would give me any confidence because it'd be like, Hey, as long as you have the right kind of faith, as long as you exercise the right kind of faith, you're going to, in a sense, stay afloat. But the minute your faith wavers, you're going to sink. And I just think that that's a, then it turns into a never-ending struggle. I don't know if I have enough faith. Do I have enough faith? Do I have the right kind of faith? I, I'm. I just. I'm not. I'm not so sure of that. I'm not so sure of that. It just seems that that would put you in a perpetual state of, oh, do I have enough faith? Do I have enough, am I, am, I, am, I, am I exercising enough kind of faith? Like you would always be questioning yourself. Hey, I got to have the right, man, life's getting hard. Man, things are getting difficult. I've got to have the right kind of faith. And I just think that that's so works-based. Now, did Peter, I got to be fair here. When Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, was he exercising faith or doubt there? In other words, is the problem that he didn't believe it was Jesus? So he had to go do something to prove that it was Jesus. So was that the beginning of him doubting or did he, did he, did he have enough faith to get out of the boat so really getting out of the boat was a sign of great faith and as soon as he saw the storms then his faith fell apart and he started sinking i i i just that seems to put it so much in our i i just i don't it 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 puts it so much in and uh, us I hope you understand the struggle I'm having here with the text, right? Remember, I love to do this. I, I want you to struggle with it. I want you to struggle with it. I, I know how to preach this, right? I look, look. it's easy to put together the sermons, right? It's easy to put together the sermons. The, 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 the sermons are easy. The, the, the sermons are a dime a dozen because everyone knows the template, right? Hey, in your life. You can overcome the storms of life. You can walk upon them if you will put your faith in Jesus and keep your focus on him. But if your faith wavers and if your focus turns to your circumstances and set upon Jesus, you will sink. So you need to strengthen your faith and you need to maintain your focus. Now that preach is good and everybody will say amen and pastor pray for me because sometimes my faith is weak and sometimes I struggle and I feel bad that I don't always maintain the right kind of faith. And I, I feel bad that sometimes I don't maintain the right kind of focus and I find myself sinking and I just don't know. I, 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 I think that just leaves people in a perpetual state of doubt and, and concern if they're even honest with themselves. Peter, obviously somewhere I, I think we can all agree, based off Jesus' words, we can be absolutely sure of this. Peter doubted, and peter uh, peter had Peter's faith was small, and Peter doubted that we can be dogmatic about because Jesus that's his words immediately to him after after he saves Peter, he saves him, right? but he immediately calls into question the amount of his faith by saying that it's little and clearly acknowledging that Peter doubted. So if we, if we bring this back to fear, how is the amount of our faith and the presence of doubt connected to our faith, the cause of fear? So in other words, the, the, Quantity of faith, the amount of faith, and the presence of doubt, how is that connected to us being overcome with fear? i'm 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 yeah I, you're waiting for me to answer i'm no I'm waiting for you to answer okay <laughs> yeah I'm waiting for you to answer i mean clearly there's something to this that in some way in my life right that there's a there's a there's a a amount of faith that clearly if I don't maintain fear and if there's doubt there's gonna be and I just don't know first of all, we don't know what that level is and second. I I'm I'm not, and I can understand where doubt can lead to it, but it just seems that it creates a like a, 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 a constant struggle in your own life. Now I think it's important to realize, even though Peter had little faith, and even though Peter had doubt, Jesus saved him. Right? Because remember, sal- the the faith for salvation is a gift given to us by God. Right. That's that's not something we do. That's not something we have. Salvation is a monergistic work. The faith that God demands is the faith he gives, right? He grants us that faith. He grants us repentance. That, that is not something that derives from within us. We can't, we can't produce that we don't we don't we don't do anything with that. God grants us saving faith. It's a, it's a gift from God. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone, and that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And that gift is grace and faith. So saving faith. We're going to be saved, and that saving faith is sufficient. And there you don't have to measure saving faith. I think that's a problem because some people say, "Well, I don't know. Do I have a? Do I have enough faith to really be saved? Because sometimes I have, I, I doubt, and sometimes I'm not so sure." No, no. saving faith was given to you by God. That has, you don't, you have no, you can't measure that. It's a faith given to you by God, and that's for salvation. Now, how that faith plays itself out in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, when you're facing the challenges and difficulties of life, and you're facing. I, I think there can be then, I think, I think, I think it's, I think it's demonstrated. It's, it's going to fluctuate. It seems to be right here. It fluctuates in Peter. I mean, how much faith did you have to get out of the boat in the first place? But, th- but see, that's the scary part. That would seem that it can fluctuate within minutes. He seemed to have enough faith to get literally out of the boat, right? Right. But then it's so it fluctuated from a faith that gets you out of the boat in the middle of the storm to a faith that you sink. And it did so in a matter of minutes. And if it's that unstable, if it's that unpredictable, do you see why I have problems with this? Hey, you can you literally at what time is it? It's 2 19 p.m. P. You literally at 2 19 p.m can have enough faith to get out of a boat, walk on water in the midst of a storm, and by 221, your faith now has become so little and you have so much doubt that you start sinking in the very water that you were walking on. You have enough faith to get out of the boat in the storm at two nineteen but two twenty one you now all you're you all you can see is the storm and now you're afraid and you begin to sink that like what kind of like how do you how do you how do we have any solid teaching on something that would be that unstable and unpredictable so what people typically say the way it's typically preached, see, if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus and not on your circumstances, you'll do great. Well, that sounds good, but you're talking, you, look, all the people you're talking to have never demonstrated the the amount of faith Peter had. And if he had that much faith, if he had that much faith to get out of the boat and and it collapsed, that faith collapsed within minutes, what do you expect of the average person sitting in your church? We're like, hey, be better than Peter. What do you mean, be better than Peter? Peter got out of the boat for crying out loud, right? Like, <laughs> like we always preach this. You, we all need to be better than Peter. But if we were gonna be better than Peter, we 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 don't even get out of the boat. And look at how face how fast his faith went, <laughs> collapsed. And remember, he's the same one who's like, hey, Jesus, no, 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 I will never deny you. I will die for you and then literally before you even know it. Uh, what Jesus, I never heard of the guy. Wait wait, 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 no, no no, I don't know Jesus and then he begins to curse. I beep, 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 don't know Jesus. And you're like, well, wait, Peter, Peter has wild fluctuations like this. So it's like I, I don't know what to take from the text. The first fear seems easy, right? They think it's a ghost for crying out loud. That's clearly wrong way of thinking, and they clearly don't see Jesus, right? And then Jesus' answer is, hey, it is I. All right, we need to see Jesus in every circumstance, and we need to have a biblical way of thinking instead of a superstitious way of thinking or a conspiratorial way of thinking or any other crazy way of thinking. All right, that's easy. Then I get to this part, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. I know how to preach it the way all everyone preaches it. But I I question that preaching because the preaching basically goes, hey, guys, be like Peter, get out of the boat. But wait, don't be like Peter, maintain enough faith and focus on Jesus so you can walk upon the water. So on one hand, be better than Peter, right? So be like Peter, but don't be like Peter, but be better than Peter but how am I going to be better than Peter when I've never demonstrated enough faith to get out of a boat and walk on water? But yet he sunk. So is the focus on Peter? Or is the focus on Jesus? I know everyone gets caught up with those words. O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And please know where the text ends. And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped, saying, "Of a truth, thou art the Son of God." The focus becomes about Jesus. I'm going to throw a I'm going to throw a concept out here. Now I know this go this 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 is going to. This is going to call into question some people's soteriology. So let me explain. Some people's soteriology says that you just take any person on the street, any person, you preach the gospel to them, and they, in and of themselves, can exercise faith to be saved. Like, in other words, it's purely... Faith is something we do, right? We we exercise faith, we repent, and we have faith. It's something we can do. We, we have the ability to do it, right? That that's a soteriology out there. You find that in kind of a Pelagian, semi-Pelagian, Arminian kind of uh, a view, right? That that you you can have the faith. I just preach to you, and you can choose to exercise faith or not. But that faith comes inside of you. It's something you do. That's more of the, again, Pelagian, semi-Pelagian, Arminian soteriology. I Obviously, I come from a more Reformed perspective, where we say, no, I preach the gospel, I'm dead in my trespasses and sins. God, the sovereign God, has to regenerate me, make me alive, and give me faith, and give me repentance, because I can't do it on myself. And I am saved by the faith that God gives me. It's not a faith of my own, it's a faith of His, because my faith my faith will constantly fluctuate, right? I may believe God one day enough to rush hell with a water gun, and on the next day, I may say, I, I, a little 14-year-old girl can say, hey, do you know Jesus? I'm like, I don't know who Jesus is. I'm obviously using a little bit of Peter here example, and all of a sudden crumble. One At one moment, Peter's ready to chop off someone's ear. And the next moment, a, you know, a, a little girl's asking him if he knows Jesus. And he's like, I don't know who, I don't know what you're talking about. One minute, Peter's like, boom, I'll, I'll jump out of this boat and I'll walk on the water. Done. And the next minute he's sinking. So I believe that we are saved by a faith that's not ours. Because if it was our faith, it would fluctuate. And we would go from saved to unsaved. We would go from on our way to heaven to finding ourselves sinking into hell within five seconds because human faith fluctuates. Human faith is constantly being hit with doubt and that kind of thing. Peter demonstrates that. So is the text demonstrating the weakness of our faith? but the security the sovereignty of god right because peter's faith gives way but jesus saves him peter's faith so is this a is this more about a warning that we can't rely on our faith. We have to rely on the faith given to us by God. Right? And that we have to be prepared that our faith is going to fluctuate. And 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 I, I do admit that when our faith, my faith, my faith fluctuates, right? I, I can be overcome with fear and I can be overcome with anxiety and I can be overcome with doubt in my faith. So what I have to do is look to Jesus and not look to my faith the answer is not my faith the answer is Jesus is the answer to both fear is is the is the answer to both examples of fear in Matthew 14 is it really is the answer it is i peter's faith gives way He's, he would have died if jesus doesn't save him peter's going to drown I mean, put it this way, it's feasible that if Jesus doesn't reach out and save him, he's he's going to drown, he's going to die. Because his faith gives way. Is this a story about trying to make our faith stronger or is this a story about realizing the frailty of our own faith, our faith, our human? Not the faith given to us by God for salvation. That is a perfect faith, it's given to us by God. But I'm saying the faith that we have Right? The, this human concept of faith, this human amount of believing and trusting, and, and it's always fluctuating. Is this about the, the frailty of that, but the complete sovereignty of Christ? I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. what I question the way this is typically handled. Should I walk away from Matthew fourteen going, "Man, if I will believe more and not doubt, then I can walk on water i can I can overcome all the storms alive Is it, is it for me to get become beat up myself with guilt, or is it for me to acknowledge? the frailty of my faith. So my hope can't be in the strength of my faith. My hope has to be in Christ. And and clearly this would seem to indicate why we can't trust in our faith for salvation. It has to be a faith given to us by God because our faith is so unstable. And the instability of our faith does put us in very, very, Difficult circumstances. Let me read the whole thing. Matthew 14, verse 22, And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit! And they cried out for fear. Again, I believe their fear is specifically related to what they see, and they think it's, I mean, mean, the text says, they think it's a ghost. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter for some bizarre reason, said, Lord, if it, bid, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And for some reason, Jesus says, okay, come on out, Peter. Peter then hops out of the boat, walks on the water to go to Jesus. What a, what a crazy account. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Please note, He'd already seen, see, this is a seeing the wind and the storms differently than he he had to have already perceived the wind and the storms. It's not like, hey, when you get out of the boat, now you can perceive it. He had to already know it was there, but now out of the boat, he sees it differently. So I don't believe that there was any fear of the storm prior to this, but now that he's out in it, now there's fear. And beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come un- into the ship, the wind ceased, and they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. I think but this reveals that we are people of wrong thinking that we don't think correctly, right? Superstition, all kinds of weird ways of thinking, which leads to fear, anxiety, and worry. I think we are people who don't perceive sometimes Jesus in it, that sometimes we see a situation and we don't even think about where God is in it. We just see the circumstances and we're overcome with fear, worry, and anxiety. And I think number three, we're people who have a faith that fluctuates, that is all over the place. It it's it's up, it's down. That's our faith. That's our own human faith that we exercise towards God. That's not a faith that saves us because we have to have a perfect faith that saves us, and that's given to us by God. And because we are people who don't think right, people who don't perceive God right, and have a fluctuating faith, our only hope is it is I, is it is in Jesus, and he saves us. He puts us in the boat and we worship him. What do you think about Matthew 14? Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I wish that that could be... Well, you know what? I don't. I don't. You know what? I was going to sit here and apologize. I don't apologize. Because I... That's the purpose of this, is to struggle through the text to, to get you to think. It's not just, hey, here's three points. You know, here's here's three points in my outline. Here's a, a, a nice little illustration. Let's all go home. It's a, to get us to struggle with some of those questions. And how do we read this? What do we do with this? Because there's so many implications here. So I'll leave it with you, and you tell me what you think. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Can't wait to hear... Your thoughts on the conclusion of Matthew 14. All right. This is the final Bible study exercise of 2022. Uh, We will begin our next week of study, possibly tomorrow or Monday. We're going to be in the Old Testament, still working on fear. And uh, I think it should be fun. Um, If we need to spend more time on Matthew 14, please blow up my email inbox tonight. Maybe tomorrow at Victory Baptist Church, I'll work on it, or tomorrow we'll do a special broadcast and I'll work on it. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a wonderful last day of 2022. And the one thing I do know, this is what I absolutely dogmatic about. I have no idea what's going to happen in 2023. Neither do you. I don't even know if we'll be alive come tomorrow because you never know what's going to happen. But. So I just hope you have a wonderful rest of today, and hopefully whatever whatever God wills for us in 2023, I hope that we will put our focus on him, and uh, well, it's, all, it's only in him. Is there any hope and there is any salvation? It's only in him, because in us, we are weak, frail, fragile, and that's why God had to save us, not by our works, not by our actions, not by our thinking, not by anything, but by the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what we have to focus on in 2023. Thanks for listening. God bless.